So we are starting today an introduction to the kingdom of God. And um, I just want to read Psalm 145. We're going to be looking at verses 9 through 13. But I want to take a little time this morning and actually read the whole 145th Psalm. It's 21 verses. I know it's a little bit long. We don't usually do that much reading. Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, give attention to the reading of the word of the Lord. And so this morning, I want to just kind of break our, the typical and do a little bit more reading than we normally do. So just listen. David is the king. He represents the greatest king in Israel. He is a prophetic picture of the coming king, the Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, the king who has come. His name is Jesus Christ the Lord. And David represented the height, he and his son Solomon, in terms of the blessing, the prosperity, the influence, the extension of the kingdom of Israel. And what was a natural representation of that in the old, now we have a spiritual fulfillment of that. They had the type, we have the truth. They had the shadow, we have the substance. They had the natural, we have the spiritual, okay? So Psalm 145 says it this way, I will exalt you, my God and King. Everybody say King. And praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. Your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. I will proclaim your greatness. Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness. The Lord is merciful and compassionate. How many of you are thankful for the mercy of God this morning? How many of you know I wouldn't be here? You wouldn't be here if it weren't for his mercy. New every morning, everlasting. The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Slow to get angry, it says, and fill with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all his creation. All of your works will thank you, Lord, and your faithful followers will praise you. All right, I think I've already jumped in. Let's go ahead and put the text up for me. Let's start at 9 one more time. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers. Read it with me. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all his creation. All of your works will thank you. Lord and your faithful followers will praise you. Here we come in verse 11. They will speak of the glory of your what? Your kingdom. They will give examples of your power. Verse 12. Here it comes right here. They will tell about your mighty deeds and about the majesty and the glory of your... That's an important word. We've emboldened it. Now, this one, I want you to read out loud with, with, with all of your heart. Come on. For your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. What kind of kingdom is it? Everlasting. So past, present, and future, the rule of God, the reign of God, his kingdom, his dominion, his authority, his majesty, his sovereignty. It says, and this is an important word, you what? You rule throughout all what? Generations. The Lord always keeps his, he is gracious in all he does. Let me continue. It says, the Lord helps the fallen and lifts those bent beneath their loads. Somebody have a heavy load this morning? The Lord's here to help you. It says, the eyes of all look to you in hope, and you give them their food as they need it. The next verse, 
I have for 40 years of my life prayed this when I bless food personally by myself or in a, in a gathering with other people. I will always say somewhere in my prayer, Lord, you open your hand and you satisfy the desire of every living thing. That's a kingdom understanding, a kingdom principle that every legitimate desire in your heart, God has given a fulfillment for it somewhere. He's given you a scratch for every God-given itch in your life. Come on, somebody. All right? When you open your hand, you satisfy the hunger and the thirst of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in everything he does. He is filled with kindness. The Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him in truth. He grants the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cries for help and rescues them. The Lord protects. Everybody say protects. The Lord protects all those who love him, but he destroys. Everybody destroys. He destroys the wicked. Last verse. I will praise the Lord and may everyone on earth bless his holy name forever and ever. And may God add his blessing to the reading of his word. And the congregation said, one thing. I use a little teaching tool called one thing. And it's a one sentence at two at the most summary of what I'm going to be sharing through the message. And I will, like a chorus, go back to it and repeat it through my message so that if you leave here and don't get anything else, you get the one thing. And the one thing from today's message is this. Read it with me like you mean it. Come on. The government of God is for all peoples, all times, and all places. Find a screen, say it with me like you mean it. The government of God is for all peoples, all times, and all places. You're about 70%. Come on, give me 100. Here we go. The government of God is for all peoples, all times, and all places. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we ask you today in Jesus' name to open our eyes and our hearts, give us understanding, give us perception. I acknowledge before you and this people that I desperately need you more than I've ever needed you before. I know that apart from you, I can and I can do nothing. But I'm also grateful that I'm not apart from you anymore. That you live inside of me. That I, he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. And that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I give you honor. I thank you for that. Be the ears in the hearts of your people. Be the eyes and the spirits Scripture says, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. To us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him in his own right hand. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and rulers. Father, thank you for Jesus. We give him praise today. It's in his name we pray and everybody said... Amen. The government of God is for all peoples, all times, and all places. We're talking about the kingdom of God. And anytime you mention that, you start to step into some questions concerning last days or end times. And people normally get really giddy when you start talking about the book of Daniel or the book of Revelation. And I'm not really coming at it from that angle this morning. Eschatology is the study of last things. Eschaton means last things. Ology is the study of. So eschatology is the study of last things. And I think many times the church has tried to rush to XYZ when they haven't really faithfully made disciples in the ABCs. I need a better amen than that. And many times we teach them ABC and then want to just jump to XYZ and when we need to remember that it's D-E-F-G-H-I-J-K-L-A-P-M-N-O-Cheese. 
That's the way my wife, my late wife, said it when she was a little girl. We always laughed about that, teaching our children the ABCs. We talk about the kingdom of God. There are various viewpoints. There is what we refer to as the premillennial. Jesus returns, establishes a literal earthly kingdom for a literal 1,000 years. There's an amillennial approach, which is basically it's all spiritual. There is no kingdom. It's all in death in the sweet by and by. There's a postmillennial idea of that it is for all time, and I'm not really going to dig into any of that. The new kid on the block is the dispensationalist, which has really just messed up everything. They're responsible for about 10,000 incorrect rapture predictions and basically glorifying a coming antichrist more than the Christ himself who has already come, the big capital C, Christ Jesus. And I am definitely no dispensationalist. It's hogwash. You, you, you need to take your last... What is it? Um, what's, what's that series, Left Behind? You need to sell that for as much as you can get out of it because it's worthless. Um, all of these guys are predicted over and over and over and over and over and over and over again on the rapture date. The church has regularly had a black eye being in the news. I remember 1992... A huge church in Korea took a full-page ad out in USA Today, and I have it in my files, of all of these predictions that have been set and then they've passed. You remember it was about five or six years ago? It was a guy camping, Edward Camping, or was his name? They had a big bill, billboards in Memphis that Jesus was coming back on May, the weekend of May 16th, 17th. You remember seeing those billboards? And it's just like, okay, I just, I just told people, I said, just know that it's not going to be then. It's not going to happen then. Because the scripture says no man knows the day or the hour. And it's amazing to me the people who claim to be Bible authoritative speakers and then continually end up doing what the scripture says don't do. They, they're date setters. And that's, I, I think that's just... It, well, for one thing, it sells books. And these guys who kept telling you we're gonna, it's going to get worse and worse and Jesus is going to come at the last minute and sneak this little fledgling weak, no good church out of here before they lose every little, little faith they have left because they can't make it. Those guys keep selling their books and become multimillionaires. And gullible Christians keep buying that nonsense. Y'all are quiet in here this morning because I'm stepping on, I'm smacking up against a couple of sacred cows. When I talk about the kingdom of God, I'm talking about beyond all of that stuff. I'm not talking about date setting. I believe in the blessed hope, and that is that Jesus Christ is coming back to earth again. Put your hands together and give the Lord praise. I don't know when he's coming, and it's, it is beyond me. That's the one thing. This is a mystery to me that the Son is fully God. He is God the Son. He is the Son of God and God the Son. But that's the one thing he says even the Son doesn't know. Only the Father in heaven knows. Now explain that one to me. So if, if, if the scripture says Jesus doesn't know and yet some pre TV preacher wants to sell 10 million books and you're going to buy them because he tells you when the rapture is going to happen, you need to wake up and smell the coffee. You know, I remember 1979, I remember the Hal Lindsey book, Late Great Planet Earth, and everybody was losing their mind over it, and it was supposed to happen in the 80s, and I live past that. 
Edgar Wissenaut wrote 88 reasons why the rapture will happen in 88, and then it didn't happen, and he wrote another one in 89, said his calculations were off, and he was literally a rocket scientist, and then it didn't happen again. Come on, guys, I'm not kidding. Some of you don't know if you want to be offended at me because I'm stepping on some things that you've just always been raised on, and the fact of the matter is, is it's not truth. Jesus is coming back. And you know what? The church is not supposed to be preoccupied with when he's going to get here because when he gets up to come, it ain't going to take him that long to get here. When he gets up to come, somebody said one time, well, you know, Jesus is coming. He's coming. Somebody said, well, it sure is taking him a long time. He must be coming from a long way. No, no, no. I totally missed the point. When I talk about the kingdom of God, I'm talking about the spiritual reign and rule the dominion of God that is from all time. It is an everlasting rule and reign. I want to ask three questions this morning. I only got the first two in the first service, so I will stop at question number two. The first question is this. Just to remind you, the government of God is for all peoples, all times, and all places. What is it? What is the kingdom of God? Everybody say kingdom. So we, we see the combination of two words, king, which is the sovereign, the monarch, the ruler. And then we see dom, D-O-M, which is not dumb, but dom, as in short for dominion. A dominion is the land that the king rules and the people that live in that land. So we are in the king's dominion. We are in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, the, the, the Greek word is basileia. We get the English word basilica from it. You think of St. Peter's basilica. And it literally means dominion or rule or government, the reign of a monarch. And so when we talk about the kingdom of God, I want you to recognize that the kingdom of God is his purpose from the foundation of the world. And the church is his instrument. The kingdom of God is his purpose his rule that he's extending as far as light has touched. You remember, you remember the Lion King and the, the old king tells his son Simba that as far as the light touches, it is your kingdom. So the scripture says, God is light in him. There is no darkness at all. And, the, and literally at the speed of light, when God said in Genesis 1, light be and light was, it's been moving at 186,000 miles per second ever since that moment, and the known universe at this point in time is ever-expanding. And as, as far as it expands, that is the rule and the reign and the dominion of God over which he is Lord and King. Come on, somebody. The church is his instrument. We've been given the Holy Spirit. We have the gospel. We have the good news of the gospel that God is king right now. Not going to be one of these days, but he is king right now. He is seated on his heavenly throne. And the, the son, God the son, is seated at his right hand. Scripture says he ever lives to make intercession for us. Government of God is for all peoples, all times, and all places. So when we talk about the kingdom of God, we must recognize. Somebody says, well, is, it, is the kingdom of heaven different? Matthew uses the phrase kingdom of heaven over and over again. Mark and Luke and John use the phrase kingdom of God. And I want to tell you, they're exactly the same thing. God is the one who rules it. Heaven is where it's from. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, you can put an equal between the two. They are synonymous 
But I want you to recognize that heaven is not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is in heaven because the kingdom of God is the rule of God. God rules heaven, but he rules outside of heaven as well. He rules in the earth. Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all they that dwell therein. We have a lying enemy, a deceptive enemy who has transformed himself, metaschematizo, into an angel of light who wants to convince you that he's running this place. And the scripture calls him the God of this age, the little g, God of this age. But I want to tell you, he's not the God of the age that I'm living in. I'm living in the age to come. I'm a citizen of the age to come. Philippians 3 says we are citizens in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. Hallelujah. The government of God is for all peoples, all times, and all places. The kingdom of God is his rule. It's his authority. It's obviously not in the state legislature of Arkansas. We're not, that's not the kingdom of God. No, not casting any shadow on any of our representatives or senators. Lord knows it isn't in the U.S. Congress, God help us. And I don't mean shadow by that. Not shade, not throwing shade, as they say. God knows the kingdom of God needs to come into the hearts of those people. And, and so when we talk about the kingdom of God, we're talking about the rule, the reign, the authority of God. When I show love to someone who has never felt the love of God, I've just advanced the kingdom of God. When I preach the gospel and someone turns from sin... They repent, they change their mind, change their behavior, and turn to God in faith, and they are born into the kingdom of God. I have just, by the gospel, the Holy Spirit through me has just advanced the kingdom of God. Our mission statement's on the big wall out there. It said, Victory Church exists to make disciples who honor God and advance his kingdom. And too often, folk are so consumed with a literal 1,000 years in the future that they fail to recognize the reign and the rule of God that is happening all around them right now. When you bring the principles of the kingdom of God to bear in your relationship, your marriage will get better. When you apply the principles of the kingdom of God into your finances, your checkbook will start to get healthy. Come on, somebody. You need an overhaul. When you start to take the principles of the kingdom of God into your neighborhood and in your relationships. It will make a difference how you love God and love people. Come on, somebody. Put your hands together and give the Lord praise. When you bring the kingdom of God into your awareness of politics, it will make a difference how you carry out your ethics and how you want to build laws that are going to treat people a certain way. Come on, somebody. And, and, and I'm not here to talk about party affiliation because the kingdom of God is bigger than that. For years, the church, the African-American church has told all their people to vote Democrat and the white evangelical church has told all your folks, if you're really Christian, you'll vote Republican. And which one of them is right? The answer is yes. It's bigger than that. It's bigger than all of that draw a line in the sand and divide and throw stones at the people that don't agree with your particular idea. And that's the reason I've said things over the last few years to jar people out of this idea that we want to get down into our little sandbox and draw our lines in the sand and play around and demonize everybody who doesn't agree with everything that we think we know is truth. When I tell you that it's kingdom people that we need to be we need to be in the center. That doesn't mean your politics are necessarily central. In the days of when everybody expects you to either be hard left or hard right, 
You're either going to be a, a far leftist or you're going to be a far rightist and all of these things. They expect everybody to be radicalized on the left or on the right, either way. And guess what? When that becomes the norm, when radical, hardline politics on either side becomes the norm, that means that's an everyday thing. And the real radical is the radical middle. It's where Jesus was every time, standing between two warring ideas, between Pharisees and Sadducees, between modernists and fundamentalists, between, between liberals and conservatives. Both of them have some truth. Neither one of them alone has all the truth. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching so good right now. When I talk about being in the middle, I don't mean your politics have to be centrist. I mean you recognize that you're a part of a kingdom that transcends all of that nonsense. You're part of a kingdom that draws you up higher than all of those stupid junior high school games that people are playing. And as long as, Charles Barkley said it this way, he said, I'm convinced that as long as they can keep us separated, they've won the battle against us. Charles, do you know who Charles Barkley is, the NBA African-American? He said, he said I'm going to tell you something. My experience has been that by and far, most white people are good people. Most African-American people are good people. He said, you know, there's a few bad apples in both barrels he said, but if they can keep us dividing and calling the other, other side the enemy, they have kept us. They have totally destroyed us. They've kept us under control. Wake up! What is it? The kingdom of God is God's rule, his government, his authority. The government of God is for all peoples, all times, and all places. Question number two, and this is as far as I'll get this morning. Are you getting anything out of this? When is it? When is the kingdom of God? It's a question that asked Jesus a number of times in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. I preached a 50-something message series, verse by verse, through the gospel of Mark several years ago. We called On His Mark. Back when we were in the, the termite-infested church down there at 1800 Missouri, when they held wings together for the church to stay up. I'm serious. About every April, we'd have a swarm, and we would literally sweep the termites up into piles. We would, we would paint a box of ceiling tiles every week because they wouldn't repair the roof, and we would literally put in, we painted the ceiling kind of a taupey brown color because at least you couldn't see the water spots then, you know, until they got so bad that they would fall in, and we'd replace them and put new ones in. How many thankful that we're in a new facility. Now, the kingdom of God's come in some aspect of that. Praise God. <laughs> I love it. Mark 1, 14, 15 says, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God, the good news, euangelion, and saying, the time is fulfilled. In other words, everything you've been waiting for, it's here right now. Everybody say, right now. My daddy used to get mad and he would spell. He would say, I, I told you now, K-N-O-W-E, now. And it, you'd better get up and tend to whatever he was talking about. The time is fulfilled. No more waiting. It's not one of these days. It's not in the sweet by and by. Jesus said the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. It's within your reach. If it's at hand, it's within your grasp. You can reach out and take a hold of it. So the kingdom of God is available. It's, it's within your grasp. It's within your reach. He says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe this good news. Repent is not just about sins. 
That's part of it, but it's bigger than that. Repentance is metanoia, changing your mind. Change your mind about what you thought this was going to be because they had a set of expectations that they thought when the Messiah came, he would set up a political kingdom and overthrow the Roman Empire. And guess what? If the first generation of Christians misunderstood it, don't you figure that we could probably learn a lesson from them? (laughs) I'm sure they wrote a whole bunch of books too that predictions... Because they all missed it about Jesus because he didn't show up the way he thought. They thought they were, he was going to. They loved Jesus as long as he was a prophecy, but when, they, when he showed up, they hated him. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching so good. How many of you know we struggle with that same thing? We pray and we ask God to do something, and yes, he answers it, but he didn't answer it the way we thought he was going to. I remember a prayer meeting in North Carolina. We're standing around together. On a Wednesday night, it's a little small group. There might have been 50 people there, and we've, we've got a big circle in the sanctuary, and we've joined hands, and Miss Goldie, a little 80-something octogenarian, she's, her husband has died, Mr. Henry, and he's been passed for a few years, and she's got a bad leaky roof, and she says, I just really want you to pray and ask, you know, I'm asking the Lord to provide because I don't have the money. I need to put a new roof on my house. Miss Goldie, we pray in Jesus' name. We thank you for providing for her to meet the need. And y'all, I'm not kidding you. It was about two weeks later. We had a hurricane blow through North Carolina and it literally took a whole section of the roof off of her house. And she's standing in tears going, I can't believe this. I needed a new roof and look at it now. And somebody said, Miss Goldie, guess what? The insurance company's gonna put a whole new roof on your house now. How many of you know sometimes when God shows up and answers your prayer, it's not the way you ask him to? And sometimes it's in that moment where we get upset about how the, the, how the, the outcome showed up. But how many of you know if God gets it done, then guess what? You need to just give him some praise. I love it. Kingdom of God is at hand to repent and believe the gospel. We are going to open up the next four weeks The kingdom parables where Jesus over and over says the kingdom of God is. Kingdom of God is like a seed, a farmer who went forth to sow his seed. Mark 4, Matthew 13. Kingdom of God is like a woman who took yeast and put it into a lump. Kingdom of God is like a lost coin. We're going to talk about some of these various parables of the kingdom of God, and I'm going to give you some principles that if you'll put those principles into play, into your life, what's our mission statement? Victory Church exists to make disciples who honor God and advance his kingdom. And if you will take these kingdom principles and sow them into your relationship, your marriage will get better. If you'll take these kingdom principles, sow them into your finances, your checkbook will get in better shape. Come on, say amen. You take these kingdom principles and you begin to sow them into your life and your habits and your health and your exercise and what you put into your mouth. Your body will get in better shape. You'll get in better health. Your blood pressure will get regulated. Come on, somebody. I know what I'm talking about. I'm down 115 pounds from what I was three years ago. You take the principles of the kingdom of God and you apply them and you sow them into the area where there is disorder in your life in any way and God has a way of speaking light be into the middle of the darkness that's hindering you in your life. 
Just like God took Joshua and sent him into the promised land to invade the land, to get rid of all the giants and to take out all of the warring tribes. We're not dealing with people groups anymore, but Jesus, has, Jesus, our heavenly Joshua, has invaded this land. And there's some giants in there. There's some attitudes. There's some behaviors. There's some addictive patterns that we've got to break that Jesus wants to set us free from. Come on, somebody. And he's moved in. Jesus has invaded your land, and he's not going to give up until every square inch of your property is under his lordship. Come on, somebody. The language of Jesus is always in the present tense. The kingdom of, he never says the kingdom of God will be one of these days. He said the kingdom of God is. He recognized what David said in Psalm 145. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. You rule throughout all generations. His kingdom always has been. It is right now and it always will be. Do you know that there are more professing Christians alive on the planet right now in 2021 than there ever have been in the history of the church from 33 AD, the first day of Pentecost when the church was born, all the way up through to about 1900, there are more alive believers saying Jesus is Lord of their lives than there were the first whole 1900 years of the history of the church. Don't tell me we don't have an increasing kingdom on the planet right now. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. We have been duped by well-meaning yet misinformed bad theological southern gospel songs that have painted a lot of ideas in our mind about some of these things that have nothing to do with scripture. Everybody thinks that you enter the kingdom when you die. Some glad morning when this life is o'er or in the sweet by and by or on the beautiful isle of somewhere and none of that has anything to do with scripture. Matter of fact, the whole I'll fly away things comes from Psalm 90 and it says, when we die, we fly away. That's where that's, that word came from. That's where that song came from. And they've attached it to the rapture and made it be a rapture song and it, the writer didn't even intend the rapture with it. And we've had this language that we get into the kingdom when we die and you don't enter the kingdom at death, you enter the kingdom by birth. Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3, verse 3, except you be born again, you can't even see the kingdom of God. Four verses later, he said, except you be born of the water and spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. So we don't see it until we're born again, and we must be born of the water and of the spirit, and that's not baptism. That's the, the, the watery birth of your natural birth from your mama when the bag broke. Because the scripture is not talking about getting water baptized. Right after that, the very next scripture, it says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Okay? So born of the water is flesh. Born of the spirit is spirit. We have to be born of both to enter the kingdom of God. So we don't enter the kingdom of God at death. We enter it by birth. And guess what? I've already been born again. I'm already in the kingdom of God right now. Come on, somebody. Put your hands together and give me praise. One more scripture and I'm going to be finished. Well, pastor, I just can't receive that because that's just not what I've been taught my whole life. Let me just give you the witness of the Apostle Paul. I'm going to read from the King James because we know that's the, the version that Paul preached from. God help the people who actually believe that. 
Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. I'm going to finish it. For this cause we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Look at your neighbor and say, I need me some of that. Verse 10, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. That sounds good. In other words, God will bless what you put your hand to. And increasing in the knowledge of God. Verse 11, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. That sounds good too. It's like a spiritual steroid. Man, I'm getting strong. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. Verse 12, listen. Giving thanks unto the Father, which has, everybody say past tense, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Oh my goodness. If all you ever get is a dose every Sunday of a baked over virgin, some version of, of a John 3.16 message, and they just preach into a room full of babies that never do grow up, and you're told every Sunday that you're no good, you're just a low-down, worthless worm. And Linda Ronstadt is the choir director at that church. She says, we're going to sing it again. You're no good, you're no good, baby, you're no good. Come back next Sunday, we're going to sing it again. You're no good, you're no good, you're no good, baby, you're no good. If all you ever hear is you're no good and you're going to sin a little bit every day, yet the whole New Testament talks about the people of God are saints in light. Doris, you're a saint. Not going to be one of these days, right now. Now, we know Heather is, but Jeremy, even you are a saint. Santo, Santo, Yeramias, or whatever. I just butchered that in Spanish. I'm sorry. I just shouldn't have gone there. You know, I love you. You're my man. You're my dude. On my preaching team. People, Nowhere after you come to Christ and you become a new creation does anybody in the scripture ever write and tell you that you are no good, worthless, low-down sinner ever again. Now, am I preaching perfectionism? Absolutely not. Yes, you sin. Yes, you struggle. But guess what? Because you're a saint filled with the Holy Spirit now, you can overcome. You don't have to keep living in those same patterns of behavior. Because Jesus has invaded your land. And guess what? If you've got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost on the inside of you, you're walking around as the majority. And if God be for you, who can be against you? In all these things, we are more than conquerors, the Scripture says. I don't believe the church is going to lose and have to sneak out of here. I believe the church is going to win with the tools of the gospel that are comprehensive and will change lives. We'll build strong families. We'll make disciples who honor God, who advance his kingdom. We'll build entrepreneurs in the kingdom of God who, who can build businesses that will, will help train them and build interns and train young people how to be entrepreneurs themselves and how to give their hearts to the kingdom of God and bless families and employ people otherwise who wouldn't have a job and send missionaries to the foreign lands and support missions and support works and Help advance the kingdom of God. I believe that with all of my heart. I believe the church is going to win in history. I believe in a victorious gospel. I believe in a victorious eschatology. 
Oh, yeah, but you know, it's just going to get worse and worse. Now, the scripture says, Arise and shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness shall cover the peoples, but my light shall rise upon you, and kings shall come to the brightness of your rising. Folk, do you know that when it gets darker and darker in this culture, the church is supposed to shine brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter? I'm sick of all this nonsense. A folk just wanting to basically kind of tuck tail and run and just get out of here as quick as you possibly can. Yes, Jesus is coming back, but I don't need to spend my time being preoccupied with when he's coming. I need to be occupying until he shows up. Look at your neighbor and say, we've got a job to do. Listen, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us to be meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Get this. If you don't believe me, you're not in the kingdom right now. Just wait and see what Paul says. Who has delivered us from the kingdom of darkness. Everybody say has. What is has? Is it past tense? Who has delivered us from the kingdom of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Everybody say right now. You're not going to the kingdom one of these days. You're in the kingdom right now. The kingdom of God is in you. Matter of fact, the mission of the church is not to just get everybody into heaven they can. The mission of the church is to bring heaven to everybody on the planet. Come on, somebody. I believe in heaven. I believe when I get there, it's going to be far beyond any description, any song has ever told me about how awesome it's going to be. But I'm not there, so I've got a job to do right here. And we're supposed to share love where the place is permeated with hate. We're supposed to turn on the light when everything is filled with darkness. Come on, church, let's wake up. The, the, the condition of America is not the fault of any political party. The condition of America is because the church has been asleep. Well, that was a pretty tepid response, I just want to tell you. Yeah, okay, I don't know. Clap, clap, clap. I'll, wake up. Wake up. Wake up doesn't mean that you get out here and post a bunch of, what's the word, messages on social media or Facebook that end up drawing more lines of division. In the middle of all this division, we need to be people that unify. I want to stand in the middle of folk who have different ideas about what the future of America looks like and go, you have some truth and you have some truth. And how about we sit down at the table and how, how, about, how about, Lord, bring us to a place of unity so that the world may know and that God may glorify himself through us the same way he has in his son. Come on, somebody. Put your hands together and give the Lord praise. All right, I'm finished. I'm finished. Have you got anything out of this this morning? The kingdom of God is for all peoples, all times, and all places. Kingdom of God is not heaven. Kingdom of God is in heaven because that's his rule, but God rules outside of heaven as well. We started with it this morning, and I want us to do it one more time. Let's say it together. Our Father, come on, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Say it. Thy kingdom come. Stop right there. Come kingdom of God to my family. Come rule and reign of God, authority of God. Jesus, be Lord over my finances, over my health, over my relationships. Jesus, be Lord. See, Jesus is not just our priest but he's also our king. And folk want a priest, but they don't want a king. Are you hearing me this morning? He is our priest. He's our high priest who literally became the sacrifice for us, but he's also our king, our Lord. He is calling 
the shots. Does he love us anyway? But he says, yes, I'll keep loving you until you realize I've got some principles that if you'll live according to them, your life will automatically be blessed. And you don't have to go, oh, God, bless me, please bless my plans. Are you following me this morning? Come, kingdom of God, be done will of God. And what does it say after that? In earth as it is in heaven. That's our job right there. We're to bring what is in heaven into earth. When there is dissension and strife, we're to bring peace. When there's unforgiveness and bitterness, we're to, we're to model, we're to demonstrate what forgiveness is. To release somebody who has offended us. You can carry it your whole life and you're not going to hurt them. You're just going to give yourself arthritis and cancer. You're going to afflict your own body just from the hatred and the bitterness and the unforgiveness. The kingdom is in forgiveness. It's in letting it go. It's in releasing the captives. Are you following me this morning? In the same way he's forgiven us, he's called us to forgive others. I believe that's the way God sets his creation free. He's going to forgive it. He already has forgiven it. Hallelujah. As we say the amen to this service this morning, I believe that there are people in this room right now in circumstances that are bigger than you have the answer to. And maybe you've never personally crossed that line of faith and said, Jesus, save me. Be Lord of my life. Some folk want a Savior but don't want Lord. And, and you don't get one without the other. They're both sides of the same coin. He saves us so that he might be Lord over us and live within us. He is Jesus. His name means Savior. He is Christ, the anointed one. He is Lord. He's the king. He's the ruler. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around. If anything in this message has touched your heart, pricked your heart in some way, if there's something you're struggling with that you need the Lordship of Christ to touch and change and transform your life, if you personally never crossed the line of faith and said, Jesus, save me, I trust you. The door is open for you this morning. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's within your grasp. It's within your reach. You can be born again right now in this service. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says it this way. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Simply said, you believe it in your heart, you say it with your mouth. The kingdom of God is voice activated. You speak it and God responds. Call upon him. Heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around. If anything in this message spoke to your heart this morning and you just say, Pastor, pray for me, would you slip your hand up? I'm gonna pray for you this morning. Yes, there's at least three. I see one and two in the back. Three, four, five, six, seven, seven or eight yellow. Okay, wonderful. Now, everybody in the room, I want you to pray. Those of you who lifted your hands, I want you to pray these words out loud and everybody in the room is gonna pray with you so you don't have to worry about praying and somebody hearing you. I want you to use your voice. The kingdom of God is voice activated. You speak to it. Okay? Say it with your mouth. Here we go. Let's say it together. Father, thank you for this word. I receive it in Jesus' name. And I reach out to you in faith. I turn from my past. And I turn to you in faith. And I say, Jesus, save me. I trust you. Forgive my sins. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Be Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. And all of God's people said,
Put your hands together and give the Lord praise this morning.